Hi, welcome to episode one of Talk About the Passion. Before I get to today's episode, I'd like to thank everyone who's shown interest in the podcast. Uh, I didn't want to release that short introduction, but I'm terribly impatient and uh, just pretty excited for this whole thing and wanted to get it out there. So uh, I got some great constructive criticism, uh, a bunch of messages from people wanting to come on the show, and uh, I hope to get everyone I, I messaged with on here at some point. Uh, with that said, the current plan is to release one of these once a week. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking Tuesdays, like how they used to release uh, records, which they switched to Fridays, which is just weird. Anyway, uh, I conducted a, a few interviews so far that uh, I don't necessarily want to call interviews, even if they're formatted like that when you listen to them. Um, you know, this is new to me, and although I've, you know, researched as much as I can on how to do this, I'm still a one-man operation here with uh, limited technical skills, so if there's uh, sound issues on any of these you listen to, uh, definitely let me know. It's still early in this uh, thing, and once I learn the nuances of uh, different environments and how people talk and that kind of thing and the, the microphones I'm using... Uh, until then, the levels might be significantly different for each episode, so uh, I apologize for that. But the main thing is the, the conversations, anyway. Um, I think they've they've been great so far, the, the ones I've had. Which brings me to this first one. I'm not uh, getting gonna get too far into how I met uh, Peter Bieberall, because that's uh, pretty much what we talk about on this. Uh, there was a main reason I wanted to have this conversation be the first one, though. Uh, I, f I kind of feel like if I hadn't met him uh, when I was 13 or 14, I might have gone down a, a different path musically. Uh, I like to think, you know, I would I would have found my way to, to punk and hardcore music at one point. Um, if I had not, though, you know, there's tons of friendships that, that I have that just never would have existed, which is... Sad to think about. I, you know, I'd say eighty to ninety percent of the, the my friends that I've known for years or, or newer friends that I've made or or are somehow connected to the hardcore scene, punk rock, DIY, underground metal, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, it's a small community still, especially locally. You know, I can't remember the last time I went to a, a live performance in New England and didn't at least see a familiar face and head nod to each other you know um so uh peter and i hadn't seen each other since the 80s and then uh, reconnected on social media years later and i met him and uh, his wife and son for dinner in cambridge which was great and then uh you know we remained in touch on social media messaging here and there and uh and then in 2015 i was living in uh, los angeles and he was out there doing a presentation from his uh, excellent book, Season of the Witch, How the Occult Saved Rock and Roll. Uh, we talked there for a little while and uh, obviously always kept in touch. And uh, so when I had the idea to start this podcast, I sent uh, a bunch of messages to, to different friends. And Peter was the, the first one to respond, saying he'd love to do it. And then... Uh, you know, a week or two later, we met up at his office in Cambridge and had this conversation. To say it was, you know, exactly what I was hoping for for the the first episode of this is would be would definitely be an understatement. Uh, 
I think we had a, we had a great talk, and uh, I hope you enjoy the this first episode. So I'll I'll stop talking, and uh, yeah, here it is. So uh, I'm here with my friend Peter Biebergall, who I met in high school in probably 1982, 1983. as right. well but uh, did, did you grow up in Swampscott I was in Swampscott I moved to Swampscott in 1980 from Florida but I grew up I was born in Framingham yeah then in 1975 we moved to Hollywood Florida for five years and then I moved to Swampscott in the middle of eighth grade yeah and it was the absolute worst experience of my life yeah. in middle school yeah. at Swampscott High. Yeah, because you were like an artist, like the new kid. and New kid, greasy, long hair, broken glasses with a tape holding the yeah. side together. But I, it's funny because I don't remember feeling so outcast when I was in Florida at that right, age. Right, right, yeah. But suddenly the transition, something went terribly awry. Right, I don't know right, if right. it went awry yeah, with yeah. me right. or it was just something about that period of time in Swampscott and not, and I think partly was because everybody had already kind of gleaned to their particular clique. And that's, as you know, the school was very much like that. It was, oh, yeah, yeah. And so, and I remember just immediately being pegged as somebody that was an easy target. Yeah, yeah. Like almost immediately. Yeah, yeah. And then... And that was bad. And I don't, and maybe it was, I mean, I always wonder about bullying. Like, if I was to look back on it now, was it really that bad? I mean, was it like every minute of every day? Right, right. Or was it just like walking down the hallway, somebody would go, hey, beep, you know, right, right. and just be a jerk? Right, and I don't right. know, but I just, I do know that I was, that it, I was like, this sucks. Yeah, yeah, no, I yeah. was that kid too. And, yeah. And when I first moved to Swamps, I remember they gave me some, kid that like this is going to be the kid that shows you around oh, yeah. school was that? for the day Scott something I think he ended up being like the security I remember seeing him years later he was like the <laughs> oh, yeah. security guard at Best Buy okay. or something but uh, Scott and then maybe a guy named Keith Melnick I think okay. that guy um, now that I think about it I, junior high was where I started there but I was kind of already kind of in music from, from my family and whatever right and more like metal and hard rock and that. And, uh, you know, you would sort of, I think I remember seeing you around school. Yeah. And you were one of like two punk rock people there. Like yeah. it was you and. Who was who else though? There was a girl. Holly Willis. Yeah. And then. Uh, we allowed to say names. Yeah, yeah, I get, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the Ryan, uh, the guy that became the, the big DJ in Boston. Tim Ryan. I mean, it was oh, like, Tim Ryan, of yeah. course. Not yeah. like a punk rock no, guy. No, no, but, but he turned me on to like The Clash. Like yeah, he yeah. Knew. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so those yeah, people. Yeah, he was an interesting kid. 
Uh, we were friend friendly, but I never right. was pals with him really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I had started listening to interesting things probably in, in the transition, like from eighth to ninth grade. There were two, so there were two sort of essential. I I somebody somehow I found out about Devo and that just felt perfectly right. Right. And they were also kind of pop, so didn't, right. it wasn't that. On the outside, you could hear them on the radio, yeah, yeah. and the B fifty two. So yeah. it was like the early days of that. Mm-hmm. But then my brother, who was living in Florida, came and stayed with us for a while, and he had just discovered this band U two. Oh yeah, that put out this album called October. Yeah, and there was a song called Gloria. Yeah, yeah. But before that, and that was a big deal for me at the time. That was like yeah. 81 or 82 maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, but before that, a kid in my neighborhood had had gotten cable. Yeah. And had MTV. Okay. And invited me over to watch MTV. Yeah. And the first video that came on was Senses Working Overtime. Oh, nice. By XTC. Yeah. And I really, I know it's like kind of hyperbole to say, but that absolutely changed my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. seen that. And dude, I had never seen it or heard anything like it. And then I went, and the album actually wasn't even, maybe it wasn't actually out yet, or I couldn't get it yet. I ordered it from Strawberries. It was yeah. a Strawberries and Swampscott yeah. pop, at the time. Popcorn? No, Popcorn. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Popcorn. It wasn't popcorn Strawberries. Records. Strawberries was in the mall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Popcorn Records. Exactly. Yeah. And I went in, and I think I either asked them for it, and they ordered it, or it hadn't come in, and I got it. And even the cover of that album, yeah. of the cave drawing, oh, yeah, yeah. was so mysterious. Like, it wasn't like a hair band. It wasn't right. like the music. You know, every album up to that seemed like it was the musician or right, it was right. some, something that was um, more... Rep- it, it, it wasn't so abstract. Yeah. And, and it just felt... It felt like I had initiated myself into something that was... Um, that was kind of secret, you know? That right. wasn't... And then everything changed. So then that became sort of, you know, that was a path for a little while in terms of music. And I went to... See, my brother took me to see Ultravox. Oh, yeah. And they and a band, a really terrific little uh, Boston band called November Group. Oh, I remember them. them. I don't remember what, what they were like. And the White Snakes. Mm-hmm. And that was when Amy Mann... Was, oh, was right. that was her first? I think that was her first band. Yeah, and that was at the Orpheum, and that's where I actually met Leo Barrill. Oh, okay. Leo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leo, yeah, at that concert. See. Anyways, um, and then the next big change for me was I used to hang out in the computer lab. That was like the one safe place, right? Yeah, with Don, you know, yeah, and yeah. a bunch of other people. Yeah. And we used to listen to WMWM, yeah. which was a Salem State College yeah. radio station. And a song by the FUs came on. Yeah. Somebody they played the FUs. And I I don't know why up until that time I feel like I hadn't even been exposed to any seventies punk really. Right. Like I just didn't yeah. know what that was. Mm-hmm. But it it set that set me off. Yeah. And that was it. And right. then Really, and when I met you, I probably only listened to 
hardcore exclusively. Yeah, yeah. But everything changed. You know, I right, cut my yeah. hair, I got right. my red high tops, I right. got my leather jacket, yeah, and I yeah. started trying to figure out where there were shows. Right. And then, I don't know if you remember, there was a place in Salem, Roosevelt's, was it? Yeah. They used to do all-age dance oh, yeah, yeah. shows at night yeah. on, like, a Thursday night. Right. And they would play really interesting music. Right. So I got exposed to that, and that's actually where I think I met Al Quint and Mike Gitter. Okay. was at one of those things. Right. Because it was the only place in town where you right. could do anything like that. Yeah, there, there really was, was very few people. Yeah, and there were no real venues. Right, We had to right. go to Boston. Yeah, yeah, in the, in the suburbs. Yep. So I think when you met me, or when we met, I had just really kind of... It, had been moved into that phase of my life. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember when we met, I was going to go into Newberry Comics, and I remember you gave me a list. You were like, you should buy these records. And, oh, really? Uh, and the, yeah, and some, so, uh, for the listener, obviously you can't see this, but I brought uh, a little stack of some of the records Yeah. that uh, Peter and I actually listened to, the, the exact copies that we held, and, you know, in his uh, basement room in Swampscott, in 1983, so I just thought that would be kind of yeah. So you cool. want to say what these? What we got yeah, here? yeah. So we got um, so we have the first two Fu's albums, Kill for Christ and My America, and uh, they were on Exclaim Records. But they, I think they were they weren't a straight edge band. I think the only real straight edge on Exclaim was SSD, was SSD and, right. and uh, DYS, right? Because the other other. Uh, release was the Jerry's Kids album, which, right, in which my is eyes one is, of the best. That's the best. Absolutely, Jerry's Kids is the best of the yeah. Boston bands oh, by yeah. far. Yeah, 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 and they they always for me. Uh, and then we get uh, the Proletariat Soma Holiday, which was uh, I don't even really call that a hardcore record. Yeah, it's, no, it, it's it's like a gang of four I don't know It's, it's yeah I mean uh, it was more like Mission of Burma it felt like it was more yeah. in that vein of yeah, things yeah. and I liked that stuff too then I mean I remember again it all felt very esoteric yeah and there was definitely you know but at the time I was also I think something happened when I started listening to hardcore which was different from just listening to New Wave right because it excited me about the idea that the more interesting things weren't in the on the mainstream, even right. the fringe of the mainstream, that right. you could go even further out. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't know that even the things that, I think some of the things that we were getting exposed to felt fringe for us, but at one time hadn't really been fringe. Like right. I remember listening to um, On Land by Eno. Yeah, yeah. And nobody was listening to that. Right, nobody right. even knew what that yeah, was. Right. But there was a time when people knew what that yeah, was, yeah. and people who cared about it knew. Right. But for 15-year-olds yeah, in Swampscott, yeah, right, right. nobody yeah. knew what that was. Right. And so that still felt like of a piece right. of exploring music and being open to things. But it also made us, I think, a little bit righteous about yeah, yeah, about yeah. it all. And there were things that maybe even if I had given a chance I would have liked, I didn't even want to. Right. Yeah, I didn't give it yeah. the time to. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the re and how we met, it's kind of funny, was, you know, I was, I was a metalhead skateboard kid. Yep. I and I had heard some punk stuff here and there. 
and I also st- I was just talking about this with another person I interviewed was I used to listen to WM yeah. WM and Chris Corkum oh right was the the DJ and he would play hardcore and that was one of the places I heard a bunch of music but I think at one point I was looking for joints oh, <laughs> and, really? and someone right. said I think that this kid Peter can probably uh, hook you up with with one you know he hangs out down at the Swamp Scott Mall and, I was. Uh, yeah, so I, I probably found you down there, and and we became friends with there, and that's pretty much what we would do. We would, you know, yeah, like teenagers do. You'd get high and listen to records, and yeah, and you know the irony is we'd be listening to like these straight edge, like Minor Threat. We'd even put X's on our yeah, 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 exactly. I never, yeah. There's a picture of us from from the mall I have, yeah, uh, and I have an X on my hand for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know what we were thinking, but um, but I always thought that was funny, and I remember less. And when you listen to some of those records now, like the SSD Get It Away, it's like a wall of, it's like one big wall of sound. Yes. And, you know, I, I get the same thing now if I listen to like Sun Ra or like one of those exactly. later era Coltrane yes. things where it's just yes. cacophony and just, and that's what I remember one point you were saying, it sounds like trumpets. Because <laughs> it was like, <laughs> right. it's very like, yes. you can't really distinguish like, two guitars and bass and that's right and the screaming and that kind of thing so I yeah. just thought that was uh, interesting that we were you know because you don't really think of like hey let's get high and listen to minor threat albums not, <laughs> exactly you know? exactly but then at one point you introduced um, that Electric Prunes album you got somewhere yes well that's an interesting story too because I was at some kind of beach thing and there was a flea market yeah and there were some guys selling records mm-hmm. and they had a record called it was called the psychedelic 60s and yeah. it was spelled c-i-c mm-hmm. a-d-l and you can get you can still get these in fact they're really great collections of garage rock yeah psych garage rock from they weren't the nuggets collections right but they were this other off brand right. you know collection mm-hmm. and that I believe had too much to dream on that's oh, okay. how I had heard that song right and then I went looking for that album right um, which probably only has like five good songs on it some of them the aren't whole very album, good yeah. but, but it's a good it's a good record and it's definitely of a, a, a it's an artifact it's right a, but that definitely was also a shift for me and I remember the guys at the who were selling the records didn't know why I was buying that record. Right. Right. And there was a funny thing about, I don't know what it was, and I've and I've written about it, and it, it was always something even that bothered me then. So I had a friend, Bill, mm-hmm. and he used to babysit for this woman. Yeah. And she was old school, like Mama Cass hippie, yeah. you know? okay. And she hated that I was a punk. Yeah. It bothered her. Right. She had no like respect for, right. for, and I, and I didn't know. Is I couldn't figure. Even then, though, I understood a little bit, maybe on an unconscious level, that we weren't that different. Right, right. In terms of what we had thought were the right things, mm-hmm. or um, our feelings about music, even though we were listening to different music, right. or what we thought music could do and what it meant, mm-hmm. society, you know, for society, or yeah. that trying to be a nonconformist or whatever it was. Right. But I remember getting the same vibe from the guys at the 
who were who had bought the record from oh, because yeah. they were like, why would this yeah, yeah. punk want to buy this? You don't this? deserve this. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why do you even want this? Right. Um, but in fact, the stuff that was on that record is what ultimately shapes the whole trajectory of punk. Right. right? Yeah. 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 Is yeah exactly. Rock, that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the no. garage rock from the right. 60s. Right. No, I know. You know? Yeah. And my son and I were listening to the Ramones, and I was telling him, you know, they weren't. They were called punk or whatever, right. but all they were trying to do was capture something essential from the '60s. Right, right. That, that was that yeah, just yeah. very pure right. rock sound. Right, right. Without all the embellishments. Right, right. That was to, that would it was to come. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was it was an interesting sort of tension there. That so I think it made sense that I was attracted to that music, you know, as an extension of of punk. Right. But then I took that as far as I go and I started yeah. getting into Sid Barrett and I right. started getting into you know and early Pink Floyd right. and, and Jimi Hendrix but it was you know I think it was good that I broke out of the hardcore yeah. bubble right. yeah 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 because yeah. it started getting just too testosterone-y and just I don't know I think I, I started to realize that actually these were the same jocks yeah, yeah, that were, yeah. That were calling you a faggot. In <laughs> exactly. High school or, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I remember things shifted, at least in Boston, or it felt like a shift was happening. And well, th this is at least where I set the line, the demarcation line, is when suicidal tendencies played at the channel. Yeah. And they had gotten air regular mainstream radio. Play. Right. Yeah, we went to that. Yeah, and all these sort of kids came which was their right to do right, right. but it felt something was off and I right. remember stage diving and people um, split right. instead of right. catching me right right and and it just something felt I could it just felt like there was a change and right. then the big change I think for at least that was very explicit was Rock for Life. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. SSD's Rock for Life, right? Uh, that was... Uh, bad Brands. No, no, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, not uh, Rock for Life. Oh, um, SSD, uh, How We Rock? How We Rock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, Rock for Life. Right, right. Not <laughs> us. Um, yeah, How We Rock, right? That album yeah. was like, hmm, right. that's curious. Yeah. That doesn't sound like... No. That sounds like something else. <laughs> right, yeah. They uh, And a lot of those Boston bands started doing that sort of more rock-based... <laughs> Right thing, which is, just wasn't good. But uh, it wasn't F even good rock. That was right, part right, of yeah, rock. yeah. The FUs <laughs> did it the best, I thought, because I thought they kind of, uh, I don't know. What was their was, album? Um, do we really want to hurt you? They did, had that like young, fast Iranians, and okay, yeah. They covered "Tie Your Mother Down" by the. And that was like in '85. Yeah, '85 was sort of when that all started happening. And yes, Gang Green did the. Uh, they started doing like alcoholic, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, they, they, they kind of lost me after that. Yeah. Stuff. It was also, I think, when we started to see metal kids seeing. Yeah. Or, 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 or I even, no, actually, the other side, I remember punk kids going, saying that they were going to the thrash metal show, right? Right. Because right. if, you know, and I never liked, at the time, right. I just never got yeah, into that. Yeah. I don't know what it was right. for me. It still felt, I think part of it is that it felt too produced, yeah, yeah. And too processed. Yeah, yeah. And I still was looking, I still liked things that felt a little looser. A little more raw. A little more raw, a little less produced, a little more live sounding. Right, right. 
and there was something about the thrash metal that sounded very um, uh, clean. I yeah, guess. yeah. I don't know what it was. You know. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. funny too when because, and I always talk about this is when I got into punk and hardcore. For whatever reason, I thought, all right, I can't. I can't let people know I listen to Iron Maiden to it. <laughs> right. So I just kind of was like, nope, now I'm a part, you know, exactly. whatever. I was a confused yes, exactly. 14-year-old Although that first Iron Maiden album was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, uh, and and when you listen to that stuff now, it's very similar to punk. I mean, that's exactly. what's happening. Right. But, but I remember at one point, because I sort of made this transformation when, when you and I were hanging out, getting a leather jacket and the boots and whatever. But I went and bought a pin that's, it was like a, one of those metal enamel pins. Oh, yeah. And it had a British flag, and it said punk with a, a, <laughs> yeah. a, a safety <laughs> yeah. pin on it. And I brought yeah. it to you, and you were like, yeah, I don't know. That's probably, <laughs> you, you were pretty much like, yeah, you probably don't want to wear that. And, you know, I'm kind of glad you, yeah. you But I had to learn that lesson, yeah, too. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I remember, like, even Al Quinn and Mike Gitter were telling me, <laughs> you know, you're a little too on right. punk right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because those two guys were... Just normal, and I remember yeah. like thinking when I first met them because they were like royalty in like the North Shore. Exactly. They, were, they both did yeah. the zines. Exactly. Al took me to my first show, and but they didn't look. I was like, they don't look punk. What's, yeah, you know? exactly. And that yeah. was one of the things I always. I mean, they wore like an army jacket. Right, right. Like those. Yeah. And then when you would go see bands, anyway, it was the same thing. They weren't. Yeah. Unless you were seeing GBH or something, they didn't. Nobody exactly. Had, like, yeah, it was either British or, or kids that were still coming out of the seventies. Right. Still right. had that look. Right. Yeah. Sex pistol yeah. kind of. Yeah. Dyed hair. Yeah, yeah. Which then would merge into new wave. Would right. take over that. Yeah, right. Yeah. So then, I always felt like, but there were some iconic representations that always felt to me like. They still fill me with such um, comfort, like the the Circle Jerks kid. Yeah. Like there's something about that representation of the hardcore kid yeah, yeah. that felt authentic, even yeah, though yeah. it was iconic. Right. Right. I still it it wasn't it, it just and I don't I mean I guess I could be a little embarrassed now saying I tried to emulate that, but yeah. why the heck right. not? I mean, yeah, who yeah. cares? Yeah. You know? And also I think that. You know, when you're 15, living in the suburbs like that, it was important to really try to um, stake out something that made you feel different. Because right, I, right. I wanted, and yes, admittedly, I wanted the way I looked to be a statement. I right. wanted it to be an F.U. Yeah, yeah, right, right. To the other kids, yeah, to yeah. the principal. Yeah, I'm not like you guys. And yeah, exactly. And so, and I think it was an important for us you know, in terms of figuring out that it could, it was okay, yeah, yeah, you know, to be different, yeah, um, and that we could feel like we were a part of something, right? You know, even though I do still, like I, you know, there was the whole thing about violence, you know, mm -hmm. in the scene, and maybe I was naive, right? But I don't remember violence in Boston. Yeah, I don't either. And yeah. people would talk about New York, right? right? As that was like the place. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I remember there were times where we like we could not get into the pit. Like, yeah, it yeah. was obvious that it was a rough ride. Right, right, right. But I just don't remember. 
but it was definitely I think now looking back you could see that there was a machismo yeah. oh, aspect yeah. to it yeah. right? there the weren't a lot of girls with, right right the guys with no shirts and yeah exactly and the completely shaved heads yeah. and yeah that's something I don't want to I don't think I want to experience anymore like I just remember like yeah. standing on the you know, on the outside of a pit, and you, you know, you would always like push people. Exactly. So you know, I'd spend my weekend just like pushing shirtless guys into like a sweaty mass of other exactly. shirtless. So that's something I don't really need to. No, exactly. You've had that experience. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I can check that off in my. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I think it was important in Swamp Scott, and because for me, I think before I met when when I first got to Swamp Scott. I would take my skateboard down to the the Swampscott train station, and every once in a while I'd see like a kid with like an Aussie shirt or something. I'd be like, yeah. "Who are those kids?" And but other than that, I would be home, and I think you were doing the same with comic books and and sci-fi, and, and yep. so that that's a big part of your life. Yeah, it still is, of course. Yeah. Are you playing so, D&D these days? Did I am not, no. Yeah. No, we but talked did about you that. Pl- we never played together. We didn't. I played with... Uh, so, this is going to get into nerd territory, but... Um, and D&D means Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, just those. so you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there was a few main uh, DMs in Swamp Scott, which is a dungeon master. Who was that? Who was that? Uh, Chris Hamill. Oh, yeah. Yep. Bill Butler. Oh, yeah, of course. And then uh, Andy Nichols, Nicholson. Maybe. Okay. I think that was his name. Yeah. One of those guys was a DM in one of our games, and I remember he went away for a week. This is when I was hanging out with them at the Metal Kids. This was later? Uh, it might have been before. It might have been when I was like, 12 or 13 okay. so it was still relatively new and I don't think I would have did something like this later but this kid went away for a week with his family for this like up to New Hampshire or whatever and uh, so me and my friend Matt Spencer at the time had the idea we were going to break into his house oh, Jesus. and try to find the maps that he had for the campaign oh, <laughs> that we were playing <laughs> and I think we made it into like his uh, like the, the, the back porch area and just got spooked and, and ran out but we, you know we were on our way to like I don't think we'll, we'll, you know what we would have found yeah yeah I don't know how well yeah I mean you may have been making it up yeah, you know, along yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but uh <laughs> but uh You're like we'll find out where the plus one sword yeah, is right yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah we, we were gonna do that and uh but so so being in the suburbs that was probably a, a good escape for you is just comic books and, and yeah uh, from very young, I assume, right? Yeah, I mean, I immediately was, but I grew up, I mean, my dad in the 70s would come home from work and bring me Creepy and Eerie magazines oh, nice. when I was really young, yeah. you know? Um, and I used to play with all the monster models and yeah. all the, and then I was into comics really early on. I mean, that's really, I think there was a period of time where I guess I felt like I shouldn't be into those things anymore for whatever reason. Right. But it didn't last very long. Yeah, you know, I've no. totally embraced all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I still collect. I still buy comics every week on Wednesdays. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a I have a bunch of guys that we play D and D right with semi you know, right. very irregularly, but yeah. we try. Nice. We're committed to yeah. trying to yeah. play. You know, we don't always play. I- um, and so. 
Yeah. So, and I feel like I did also didn't recognize then that those were all, you know, connected. But but I know now that there was a connection that I think is really important, which is that if you look at like the early days of role playing, mm-hmm. and you and I would go into this store. There was a store in Florida called the Complete Strategist, right? Yeah. And there were these, particularly there was a company called Judges Guild that made all these supplements for Mm D&D. But if you look at that stuff now, these were fanzines, you know? They were cheaply done, they were passionately done, photocopied sometimes, you know, a very cheap printing process, you know? And you could see that it was typed. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know? Right, yeah. and. And I think that there was something about that whole sensibility, you know, that these were, that there was a DIY kind of thing that was always attractive to me, even though I didn't, I didn't make the connection and say, oh, this fanzine is like the Judges Guild things, you know? But now I get it, and it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I, and again, I think it was a recognition that, that things, Outside, things on the edge are where the best stuff is. Yeah, 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 definitely. Right? I mean, yeah. there's no doubt. Yeah. That's not to say there aren't interesting things. Right, right. Mainstream, right? Yeah. I mean, I listen to, I've been recently going back and listening to basically like 70s AM yeah, music. Yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah, I mean, there's some incredible yeah. music. Yeah. Really great songs. Yeah. And so, and so I am, I'm able to kind of understand. And it's even more than just appreciating, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the next thing is right. after appreciating yeah, something, yeah, yeah. but maybe just, like, getting it. Right, right. You know? Yeah, we, we talked about on the phone, uh, you would post it on social media a while back, that Jerry Rafferty. Yeah, right, right down, down the, the line. line. It's so good. And it really, yeah, it's one of the best songs. That, yeah. And I, I never, I knew the other one, Baker Street. And I vaguely had remembered that song. That's and, not uh, as good of a song. No, no, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that one is just perfect from from beginning to end. Yeah. And, and speaking of the the phone call, I meant to uh, I was going to start this with apologizing for uh, referring to your son by the name of the dog you had as a teenager. Oh, Max. <laughs> you called him Max. Yeah. Oh, poor like, Max. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's funny. But uh, so you know you would use that stuff for escape like you know yeah i mean I, I i have to say i take i take a little bit issue with the word escape yeah yeah because yeah, i don't know if i was trying to get away right. from something right. i think that these things had their own value yeah yeah um but certainly they provided a place that felt um that it, i mean that i could call my own right right <laughs> you know yeah yeah that, um and that the other people that were into those things were people that I felt kinship, right. kindred to, yeah, yeah. right? Bill Butler was one of those guys, yeah, and, yeah. and he passed away recently. Yeah, you told me um, And But he was somebody who, you know, when I first moved to Swampscott and didn't have any friends, yeah. he was a friend. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was, we both were outcasts for whatever reason. Right. But it also turned out that we liked all the same stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, how, yeah, why does that happen? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he used to come over after school. We played chess for hours and hours. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and play D and D and other board games or. But I think music, 
discovering music, discovering punk, for a long time I left all that stuff behind. And yeah, not because yeah. I didn't still like it, but because I didn't have time for it. All right, I right. wanted to do was listen to music. All yeah, I wanted yeah. to do was go to shows right, and right. go to record stores and right. read zines and Right. That was that was part of the reason too I kinda wanted to do this this podcast with you too, is you know, you've written some great books and written a lot about, you know, psychedelic music and, and, and that kind of thing, but that this part of you like the punk rock part. Yeah. You know, you haven't you haven't really touch on that much and a little there's a chapter in for the, in, in too much to dream my book too much to dream yeah. that deals with that mm -hmm. and i and i've you know described that moment of sitting with my friend bill yeah. in his mother's kitchen mm -hmm. smoking hash yeah. in the suburbs yeah and seeing this chipped white enamel cabinet yeah and looking at that cabinet mm -hmm. and I don't know if it was just because I was high or what what but it was so ugly and empty to me mm -hmm. that I I knew that I could not be here anymore yeah. you know mm -hmm. in this world even right, though I right. mean I had to live there yeah, yeah. but this was not home to me right. at all right the suburbs or whatever I saw is this banal right and I know I'm sounding kind of like better than and I don't mean it to right. sound no, that no. way right it just represented to me something that just felt artificial mm -hmm. and without any artfulness without right. you know it was and and that's when I started, you know, I just, I remember saying to my, I'm just going to take the bus by myself to Boston. I was yeah. 15 years old. Right. I went to Boston for the first time mm -hmm. and I went to go buy combat boots yeah. Yeah. at the Army Navy store on, um, it was on the corner of Boylston and Mass Ave. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when yeah, I was yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. It was a great shop. Yeah. And they had the classic Army issue combat right. boots. That's with Paris Theater, I think, was right there too. Is that what it was? Maybe. Um, maybe. Now, and there's a little, there's actually a. F if you go up a little further, there was a firehouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And oh yeah, the Paris. I know what you mean. I think that's yeah, what yeah, it was right, right. We saw suburbia. There, yeah, that's right. I think. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I went to the Commons and I went up to the top of the hill where there was a. Uh, it was a statue, and I was going to, I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, I'm going to roll a joint up here by, yeah. you know, by myself. I'm <laughs> right. going to sit up here. And I pulled out a rolling paper, and a cop on a horse came by. It's my first time alone right. in the yeah, city. Yeah. Right. Just bought my combat boots. Yeah. <laughs> this cop comes, and he said, what do you got there? Right. And I said, oh, I just found <laughs> on the ground. And he said, why don't you empty your pockets? Right. And this is the one time when having allergies has served me well. Yeah. Because my pockets were filled with <laughs> tissues. Right. <laughs> Balled up tissues. I feel like I remember that about you, just in general. Yeah, that I was always sniffing. Or just you'd be like, hey, get, there's a th the thing in my jacket. <laughs> you have to go through exactly. it. Exactly. A lot of tissues. Yeah. 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 And I just pulled out, there was a little bit of weed in the bottom of my pocket. Yeah. 
but I just pulled out these massive wads of tissues <laughs> and I was like and he just like looked at me he's like alright whatever and like took right. and then left me there <laughs> but it didn't scare me from going into the city it right, made right. It, it something about that day right. just made it made it feel like home right, right. you know yeah, yeah. and then that was just what I where I wanted to be and yeah. what I wanted to experience whether it was a you know, a club, and that's when I started hanging around the, um, the hanging around Harvard Square. Yeah, yeah, and, and a lot of great people there. I don't know if you if you ever met any of those folks. Yeah, yeah, like Keith, Flam. Oh, Flea. you know Keith, of course, yeah. and Flea. Smith, yeah. Yep, and Ruth. Yep, Ruth. Um, yep. And uh, this guy Colin, who we used to call oh, yeah. Flem yeah. at the time. Yeah, I yeah, don't know. He ended up working with. The dam builders, I think. I think so. He ended up with really long dreads. Yeah, yeah. Rise bike around Harvard Square. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yep. But those were good days. Oh yeah, and th- and that was when, you know, and, and like, yeah, I think you're right. With escape isn't the right word. It was more like just I want to get. I don't need to be in Swamp Scott. So on the right. weekend, we would go there, and I remember I would see. That's when you would see like like that guy Keith Smith was always yeah. like leather jacket like yeah. very like dressed. Yes, you know? exactly. And those yeah. were the guys he like they good. were yeah, yeah yeah and that flea guy of and, course. And it was very like that's when we probably saw suburbia. So I remember thinking like this is we're like that like a group of <laughs> exactly. And the so we used to hang around the pit which is front of Alban Pond, and then yeah. the metal kids used to hang around the Seven Eleven. Yeah yeah. Or it was a store twenty four yeah, across store 24. the way. Yeah. And the twain shall never meet. It was like <laughs> yeah. these, you know, the yeah. border. Yeah, it was that. And then there was like the Kenmore Square people. That was a whole other. That was a whole world. other scene. That was felt more intimidating. Yeah, yeah. That they was... seemed like they were like even more real. Right. For some right. reason. I don't know why. Yeah. That might, Boston. Have been, that might have been like the straight edge guys. Too. Yeah. And they were older, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's where the, and the rat was there, of course. Did right. I see GBH with you with the rat? No, I, I think the first time I saw them was later. I didn't see end up seeing them till later for some reason. I think at the Paradise, maybe. Okay. Um, yeah. But they, I, I love them still. They're. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. They were yeah. punks, not dead. Or was that the exploited? Exploited. Okay. Yeah. So what was the big GBH? City Baby. Oh uh, yes. Attack by rats. That's, yes. City Baby's Revenge. Yeah. And then the band I loved, which was Subhumans. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 and they were they were one of those ones. If you listen to their early records, it's almost like they learn how to play their instruments because the early ones are straight up the hardcore. And then that from the Cradle of the Grave album yes, had that, that song that's like a twenty minute song. Yes, do you know that? Good. Do you know that I read that aloud in my social studies class? <laughs> <Did you really? laughs> yeah. So I asked him because I was like, you know, I. I was like, kind of make my statement yeah, to my yeah, social yeah. studies class because right. I remember we were arguing about Russia and communism or something, and I was saying something about how, you know, if you're somebody who lives in Russia, you don't you think America's bad? Like you don't know, you right? Know, like that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> and then I said, and then I asked the teacher if I could come in and read this from the cradle to the yeah. grave. So I read the whole poem <laughs> to the class, and here's a really weird thing that happened. Yeah. I honestly don't know what this means, and I don't know if it was anything untoward. I just know that around that time when I was like had read this and then had started talking about communism and socialism, my history teacher was like started to become very friendly to me. Yeah. Because he saw that I wasn't just a stoner who right. was sitting in the back room without anything to offer. I started. Right. I got the class kind of you yeah. know engaged. And one Friday, I was walking out of school. 
and he was walking he came up next to me he said hey would you like to spend a weekend with me and my <laughs> wife? Oh, <really? laughs> yeah. Who is this? Well, yeah. yeah. Swamp's got height. You're right. Yeah. And he said, would you like to spend a weekend with me and my wife? Right. He said, my car's right here. We can just so go. <laughs> and I said, I don't even know what I, I mean. At the time, I was like, I don't want to hang out with this guy and his yeah, wife. I'm going right. to go hang out with my friends. Yeah. Probably was going to meet you, maybe. Right, right. And I said, no, I, you know, I'm going to go, I got stuff to do this weekend. <laughs> and it was only like a couple of years later that I was like, what the heck was that all about? Yeah, that is weird, yeah. Maybe it was yeah. like, this guy's smart and, you know, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, well, is. I mean, I was going to spend the weekend with his wife at their, like, house in Maine. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I mean, right. do you think it was, I don't know. I don't, yeah. You never know. know. Yeah. Because I don't even want to try to speculate right, right. as to what that was about. But I was probably 17. Yeah, yeah. Um... Do you remember Mr. Webster, that teacher, the English teacher? I think so. His best friend was uh, Israel Horowitz. Oh, really? Right. Oh, yeah. And so I remember him telling me about the Beastie Boys. Oh, really? Uh, That's funny. Ad Rock's dad. Yeah. But yeah, he was a Gloucester guy, and he ended up killing himself, I think, a oh, couple years after really? I, I graduated. Sad. But he was one of those like teachers that was like, he had the hair, like the... the uh, What's his name? Like the Oscar Wilde hair and the beard. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, oh, I do remember him now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a very animated guy. Yeah, smart. that's sad that he yeah, yeah. That happened. Yeah. So. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess, um, I don't know how we, we got how, how we got here. But. Right, right. Uh, just talking about, Har you know, going yeah. to Harvard Square to sort of get out of right, that's right. the suburbs. and Yeah. And then... I think you started taking it further with like doing acid in Harvard Square and I remember groups of people would do that and I'd hang, I never did it myself but I remember being with people yes. on it yeah and it was, was weird too it was very there was this whole thing in Harvard Square there was this blue acid going around yeah and it's, it was very weak yeah I remember it seemed like yeah everybody was doing that and yeah, we definitely weren't straight edge. Right, I mean, we right. would go into the worst house and get served yeah. beer in there. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. And then we would go down to the river mm -hmm. and, and hang out. Yeah. Um, and and then I would take the bus back to Swampscott, you yeah, know, yeah. every night. Yeah. And somehow, no matter what we were doing or where we were, I always got back on that yeah, bus. Yeah, I know, right? You know? Yeah. I remember cutting... The only time things went awry was when I... I don't. There was a kid named. I forgot his name. He was a redheaded kid, and he was dating Ruth, the girl Ruth at the time. Mm -hmm. And he was playing. He had a butterfly knife. He was playing with. Yeah. And I sliced my finger open on uh, it, and we had to go to Cambridge City Hospital. We all right. maybe we went to Mount Auburn. I don't even know. We right. walked down there. Yeah. And they had to call my parents because right, right. I was underage to get right. permission to right. sew me up. And it was so late that I ended up crashing on somebody's couch. Right, right. Um, but for the most part, I always went home. Yeah, yeah. You know? Hmm. So I guess they were still, I still wanted that to feel tethered to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, A little bit as much as I, because right. we were still young. Yeah, yeah. You know? The other thing I remember, in that at least in that period, we never drank alcohol at all. Like, I never, it was always weed for me, at least. And I think yeah. even in Harvard Square, I don't remember, like... People being that much into it, it was no. Maybe we get beers, yeah, yeah, and go down to the river get a six pack. But yeah, right. it definitely wasn't the yeah. But uh, yeah, it was a good time, and then 
you kind of got a little heavy into that, and then yeah, I went off the deep end a little bit. Yeah, and then I dropped because I dropped out of high school. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, and you stayed on. Yeah, yeah. But I also think yeah, then you started hanging around with other guys. Right. Chris was no, not Chris. You're who was there was the a kid. kid uh, he was a really tall, skinny kid. He used to skateboard with him. Mark McLaughlin. Oh, uh, Mark, yeah. Who also ended up killing himself a few oh, years no, ago. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, had you been in touch with him all that time? No, 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 I saw it in the paper. And then he had a sister, Lauren, I think, that we that hung out with. Oh, too. I remember Lauren, yes. And there, his cousin was the singer for Siege. I remember Kevin Mahoney. Okay, yeah. Uh, and, he, and Kevin Mahoney's sister, I think, was married to... One of the guys in Jerry's kid. It was a weird like, oh, yeah. connection. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think I started kind of hanging out with those yeah. guys. And then, but I remember being jealous. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. But it was my fault. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's what. <laughs> yeah. I think I was like, yeah, I can't do the acid, and I think I was just kind of yeah. scared of it because I remember. Could, and and yeah. still, because like, yeah. I remember what people would say, "All right, you need like eight hours of your time." <laughs> Exactly. Just of, like yeah. water. Well, yeah. nobody had bottles of water back then, so yep. you would, you know, can't go home to your parents because they'll find you. And then, <laughs> exactly. And well, then thank you, God we had the golf course. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because <laughs> yeah. they lived right. there. Yeah. In Swampscott. Yeah. So, yeah, and then, you know, things things went awry for a while, but then by the time I was, when I was 21, I had already hit a bottom. Yeah. So I got cleaned up, mm-hmm. went back to school. They had, I remember being, when, uh, it wasn't that I just dropped out, it's that they, the principal had suggested that I leave yeah. and later go to North Shore and, yeah. and then get a GED. Right. Which I ended up doing. Right. But it worked out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and then just kind of more stayed on a path I think it's been hard, though, in some ways, you know, letting go of a connection to things that, I mean, I think just by virtue of being clean Mm -hmm. kept me out of certain environments, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just didn't do a lot of, you know, I I didn't go as much to shows. I didn't go as much to nightclubs. I just didn't want to be around that, you know? Yeah, that's that's what seems to happen to people. Yeah, and so it's been, so in some ways I kind of, I, I, I lost the pulse of what was happening. Right, You know, it sort of was carving out other things and then later now would you know come back to try to sort of reclaim you right. know try to rediscover things yeah, you yeah. know because yeah. there's a whole period of time where you know I when I started to get clean I then I decided you know what I don't know anything about actually know anything about music right and so I spent most of the late 80s and mid and early to mid 90s listening to Lou Reed and Velvet mm-hmm. Underground and oh, David okay. Bowie and King Crimson. The stuff that you didn't stuff dig heavy I, into. Yeah, I didn't really right. know. I had nobody. I, I mean, I can't believe at the time I had never heard King Crimson. Right, right. You know, or that I had never really listened. We never listened to the Velvet Underground. No, I mean, I'm the same. Like I, like, I didn't hear, really listen to them until yeah. I was in my twenties. Yeah, the Stooges. I never got into them until I never five heard years them. ago. Exactly. Like, fine, fine, and now I'm finally, like, this it's is, fantastic. Yeah, right. Did you watch that recent documentary yeah. about them? It was good. Yeah, it's good. 
Um, yeah, and so exactly. So I've had to also. I thought I was educated about right, music, right. but in fact, I didn't know anything at yeah, all. Right. You know, and then I, you know, but now, and I also would go back and rediscover the things that were just sort of like the sounds of growing up that didn't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. But now I realize are absolutely not only essential, but some of the greatest recordings ever made. Yeah. yeah. Like. Um, the 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 um the George Harrison double record. yeah yeah all things all must things pass. must pass mm-hmm. it's it's an astonishing yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> you know oh, yeah. musical yeah. moment mm-hmm. and so listening to that and and then even as a kid I never really listened to Led Zeppelin and then yeah. when we were hanging out I never did but I've gone right. back and listened to some of that I mean I knew them and right. knew what you were supposed to listen to but. You know, now listening to like Led Zeppelin three, yeah, that's a great record. Oh, yeah, you yeah. know, there's a lot of really amazing, weird, Isn't that really a weird, weird. Record? Yeah, yeah, that has the it's lemon recorded. song on yeah. it, and all, yeah, it's recorded weird. And I it's think. very recorded weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I remember being spooked out by them when I was right. really young, yeah. right? And then and, and being able to, I've been listening. You know, I went back and started listening to Cream. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think that. Um, Disraeli Gears is is one of the greatest rock and roll records yeah, of yeah. all time. I know that's a big statement, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and so I've I've that's been fun, yeah, you know, yeah. to do that yeah. and to and once in a while I'll listen to some some hardcore, but really the only hardcore I can listen to anymore is you know like regularly is Bad Brains. Right. Yeah. I'll listen to some once in a while for some reason I like to listen to that first Rites of Spring record. Oh yeah, that's a great record. And but for the but the stuff I really listen to from that era is Husker Du oh, yeah. and the Minutemen. Yeah. And I don't oh, yeah. remember we really listened to them that much did. at the time. The other two but, I was thinking we we spent a lot of time with that were also sort of not just traditional hardcore was crass. Oh, you're so and, good. Uh, rudimentary rudimentary penny. penny. Yes. Which were just bizarre. And, th- and that makes more sense. When you listen to that, if you think yes. of being on drugs, listening to that yes. Death Church album with the artwork. Oh, it was incredible. And that also even felt more like, I almost felt like we like we weren't worthy of that right, stuff. Right, right. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. Like they were like really in it and they yeah. were true anarchists and they lived a certain way yeah, and they yeah. squatted and yeah, they, yeah. and we, who were we? We were still right. kids living in the suburbs, right. you know, Swamps. going to Jerry's Kids show. Like right. I felt like even that felt like there was something, um, it felt more real right, for some right. reason. And maybe that's not true, but I remember like when my friend Leo got that crass box set, remember yeah. that thing? Yeah, Christ the album. Yeah. yeah. And there was, um, and what was the um, the great rudimentary? No, there was rudimentary penny, but there was also the other band that I really loved, Flux of Pink Indians. Oh, yeah, they yeah. Were similar to Crass. Yeah, sound, a little yeah. bit more similar to Crass. Yeah. yeah, and they had Charity Hilarity was yep, yep. their big song. That yeah. was a great yeah. record. Yeah, yeah. And those bands never came. I mean, they may have came here later, but I don't yeah, know. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know where do they stand on the spectrum. Like, are they considered right. essential? I don't know. Yeah, is it any good now right. listening yeah. to it? I mean, it seems it was more about a political yeah. statement. That that feeding of the five thousand record stands up uh, pretty good now. Yeah. So. Yeah, the rudimentary penny stuff was really strange. Yeah. yeah. Um, but getting back to like music, so did, have you been 
spending time listening to newer stuff too. I see you have Animal Collective. Yeah, I don't like them anymore. No, <laughs> I like their first couple of records. Right, right. And then yeah. something weird happened yeah. to them. Yeah. Yeah. I think they have an album um, that has this song called. I think that well the refrain is swimming pool. Okay. On it I have to look and see. Yeah. I feel stupid now not remembering the name of the record. I think it's their one their second record. Anyways, right. they I think their early stuff was very good. It felt very tribal. Yeah, yeah. And it was felt like it was on the edge of something that hadn't quite become popular yet. Right. Um Tongue Songs is is an excellent record yeah. by them. Okay. And then um so for a while, yeah, I was like, I was reading Pitchfork every day, and right. I was trying to listen. I was listening to Wolf Parade, right. and, and then I got the first Arcade Fire. Mm -hmm. But I started getting bored with that stuff very right. quickly. Yeah. Um, there's a few things from that time that my wife and I still like to listen to. We like to listen to the Shins. Yeah. Some of yeah, the early Shin them. stuff yeah. is good. Yeah. And, um, but there was, it, it's, it, it, it all started to sound the same a little right. bit after a while. Yeah. And so then I started um, listening to what's been really fun is kind of the revi the garage revival stuff like oh, Ty yeah. Siegel yeah. and um, what's the other guy's name? Thinking of that, there's a band that I really like right now called uh, Wand. Mm -hmm. Oh and yeah, they have an album called Golem, which yep. is fantastic. Really good. Yes, excellent. I think you turned me. I yep. think you posted about it at one. Yeah, that's a really good. And there's been a lot of great revival of sort of 70s kind yeah. of like stoner yeah. stuff. Um, that's been some of that's really interesting. I think that um, Sons. Uh, record with that song Alice yeah. on it. It's it what's it called? It's not the most recent one. It's the one that came out before. Right. They're you know, full saxophone length. On it or yes, yeah. it's a beautiful yeah. record, and that song I think is one of the great yeah. songs of this era of yeah. sort of that mm -hmm. that music. But they're almost doing like classical composition yeah. at yeah. this point, right? Yeah. The only thing I've never been able to, so I, I like a lot of the recent sort of stone stuff. I really like this band called uh, Blood Ceremony because they yeah. have a flute. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. I haven't heard. And I really dig flutes yeah. Yeah. and okay. stuff right now. Yeah. Um, I I think now, like, for example, like, I don't read Pitchfork anymore, but I read The Quietus. Yeah. yeah. And I write for them a little bit. And okay. I think that they are finding stuff that's a little bit more interesting yeah. now. Yeah. I love The Wire oh, yeah, to yeah. find out oh, about yeah, stuff, great. you know. Um, and that sounds a little snobby, I guess, but yeah. whatever, you know. Yeah. That's, um, I really like um, Tim Hecker and some oh, of yeah. that mm -hmm. kind of the, the really um, atonal ambient mm -hmm. stuff I find yeah. really interesting right now. It seems like in some ways, I mean, I guess what I realize, and maybe you feel this way too, but... I've always needed a little bit of noise in my yeah. pop, yeah, yeah, as yeah. it were. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I still need a little pop right, around right. the edges. Yeah. You know, that's why I loved Sonic Youth. I think because yes, yep, it would be this beautiful song, and then all of a sudden there'd be this extended just feedback thing at the end, yeah. and maybe it would <laughs> it would be back, back into, yeah. into it. And I think actually, and I think the Pixies were able to capture something yeah. that was pretty important yeah. too. And I feel like they are kind of evergreen. Yeah, yeah. Like I can keep listening to some of their Definitely. early stuff a yeah. lot, and I love. Um, the the solo Frank Black record oh, yeah. uh, with headache on it. Mm -hmm. I think I've listened to that record more than any other album that I've owned. Yeah, yeah. Because it was a time where it was like that was the only record right. I listened to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it has like thirty songs. On yeah, it, yeah. You know? Yeah, that's a long album. Um, and 
uh, a teenager of the year. Mm-hmm. That's called. Yeah, yeah. And so, but the other thing, but then some of the, like I went to see Sleep. Yeah. And at the House of Blues. Yeah, I was. It, it was boring. Yeah. Like they were. It was. Kind yeah. of, unfortunately, it was a little yeah. boring. I see. I saw them twice. I went. Um, I went to that show. It was yeah. the first time, and I still smoke pot quite a bit. What? <laughs> <laughs> and I went to that. I didn't. I didn't get high at that one for whatever reason. And it was great. I thought it was amazing. And then I went and saw them in Portland, Maine, with a friend who uh, ate a brownie on the way there. And he ended up, he could never got out of the car. Oh, poor guy. He, he stayed in the car all night. Um, and that was almost like a religion. That was just whatever someone gave me that night. I was, it was like just like it a worked. wall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I would. I wanted to like it, right? But I find, and so I'll listen. I can listen to Dope Smoker and, yeah. and dig it. I find stuff like Grails to be much, yeah, much more potent for right. me. Right. Right. Um, I don't know what it is about what they're doing. I think because there's a little bit more esoterica to their sound. Yeah. It feels a little bit more. Um, Arcano. I'm using weird words to right. try to describe it, but it, there's something non-traditional about mm-hmm. the way that they're doing things. Yeah. I've been going back and listening to like Sun City Girls. Oh yeah. Um, some of that stuff I think is really great. Yeah. And there was something else recently though that um, really turned me on. I'll have to think about what that is. But so yeah, so I've been trying to explore different things. But I I never listen to the radio yeah, anymore. There's yeah. nothing on the radio. I know. The other thing though that happened though is that my son started getting into hip hop, and oh, I yeah? never knew anything about hip hop. Right. But I wanted to find stuff that I wanted to see if in hip hop there was the same thing that I had loved yeah, about right. other music, and discovered this whole other world of music that I hadn't yeah. even known about, and had fallen in love with. Yeah. So we listen in the home in our house. We listen to a lot of like MF Doom, oh, nice. which is really great, and The Satisfaction, yeah. which is the the women, mm-hmm. uh, which are sort of part of that. Yeah, kind yeah. Of they know a lot of the same people. We listen to. Um, like Mad Lib, yeah, and I really love now. You know, in the car, we're always listening to Tribe Called Quest. Oh, nice. So the uh, yeah. So I've been kind of. I understand now. Yeah. Have you heard <laughs> like, uh, Zara Face? Have you heard that? That's, oh yeah, they're local guys yeah, too. I actually yeah, he, got all their stuff. They were. What's the other band they're part of? That's uh, Seven L and Esoteric. Yes, so. exactly. Yeah. Esoteric went to uh, Salem State when I was there. Oh really? And he was a DJ. Oh, that's cool. Oh, excellent. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the yeah, Zarface stuff is great. Yeah. I have all their stuff. Yeah. Um, and they're on a. There's a great label that they're on. Uh, get down maybe. Yeah. Okay. Oh, are they theirs who distribute right. them? Yeah. And I get emails from them about all kinds of things. They're putting out a, a super limited edition MF Doom oh, nice. set right now. Yeah. With um, all the uh, it comes with a set of forty fives and the spindles are special spindles that look like the Doom mask. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, but it's like seventy five bucks. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah. So well, that's, that's, cool. that's yeah. I mean, yeah. there's been some really great. Um, stuff there that I finally gotten turned on to yeah. and sort of understand. I also yeah. went through a period of time where I was only listening to jazz. Yeah, I did that for a long time. Yeah, and then I tried to explore classical a little bit. And yeah. there's I listened to Shostakovich and mm-hmm. more contemporary yeah. stuff. But you know, we our music tastes of my wife and you know Amy become 
just very broad yeah, yeah. now. But there are all things that I always go back to. Yeah. I mean, when I need something, there's a couple of albums that when I'm at work, I need something to listen to that are the go-tos. Yeah. Before and After Science. Yeah. Brian Eno, mm-hmm. um, Zen Arcade. Yeah, I always go back to. Yeah, you know, um, there's something about you know there are certain albums that uh, George Harrison. Yeah, yeah. I always go back yeah, to. Yeah, but I don't really go back to the Beatles in that way. Yeah, I, I, you know, for whatever reason, the last few years I feel like my my uh, window of the Beatles songs I like is getting smaller yeah. and smaller I don't like Sgt. Pepper's anymore at yeah, all yeah right yeah, I, I, I don't I think, think it's a good album I like Magical Mystery better. I like Magical Mystery better I like Abbey I like the second Abbey Road second side of Abbey Road my, so my son became um even though he's all he listens to is underground hip hop yeah he loves Pet Sounds oh yeah oh, and we were listening to Pet Sounds yeah and it's a great record yeah and I said to him a couple of months ago, you know, it's, when was it? I think it was last month, month before. It was, the, it was the anniversary of both Pet Sounds and Sgt. Pepper. Yeah, yeah. And I said, we, we're going to listen to both these. Yeah. And he couldn't get through three songs of Sgt. Pepper's. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, this is corny. Yeah, he didn't yeah. like it at all. Huh. And it, and I don't, and I get, and I get, right. I mean, it was never my favorite Beatles yeah. record, but now I don't really yeah. find it that compelling. Um, I much prefer now to listen to the really early stuff because that sounds more garage. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, it's a little yeah. bit more raw. Right. And they're just great sort yeah. of one yeah. chord songs, yeah. right? Um, so, so that's, so yeah, I don't, I, ne- I don't go to them. I never really listen to the Stones. Yeah. Okay. Never got, I guess I also, my, the rock, other than Cream and some Zeppelin, I tend to not like the blues, and I don't like blues-based rock, and I yeah. don't like blues-influenced rock that yeah. much. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why. Yeah. I never really, you know, like Stevie Ray Vaughan stuff, like I just yeah. never really did it yeah. for me. Yeah. I never, re- I never liked the Dead. Yeah. So yeah. I never listened to it. Like I don't. Yeah. I know people have like go to Dead yeah, concerts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I never listened to them at all. Yeah. yeah. But I'll always go back and listen to the first two Soft, Mas- Soft Machine records, right, right. which I think yeah. maybe are, even though the Grateful Dead say were more popular. Right. I think if you, if you trace what's more important, I think mm-hmm. Soft Machine were yeah, more yeah. important. Okay. You know. Yeah. Um. So and I'll you know I. There was a time also I was listening to a lot of like that crowd stuff in the yeah. early prog, right? Which some of that's fun, yeah. You know, definitely. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I was going to ask too if like you were getting your son into music because that's uh, yeah always I, a good thing I think as a parent or an older brother. Exactly. Well, we play essential. everything. He right. still found his own path. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so, like I said, he loves underground it, but he'll we'll play. You know, we play. I'll do like playlists or radio on Spotify of certain things and we'll do a lot of we'll do a lot of early 60s stuff that yeah, he likes right. we'll do um, sometimes we'll just listen to like 80s new wave yeah, you yeah. know right, right. stuff like that yeah uh, but there are certain things that he that he digs but for the most part you know he's finding his own yeah, musical yeah, yeah. path you yeah know? that's good so yeah awesome um, and then I guess to wrap it up, you, you're you working on a new book called Strange Frequencies. you want to talk about that? For yeah. Me? So Strange Frequencies is a look at how we've engaged with technology to try to have some supernatural 
interaction. Mm -hmm. So probably the most well-known example is spirit photography yeah. at the turn of the century where people, and there's a very like very famous photograph of Mary Lincoln Todd with Abraham Lincoln's ghost right, right, standing yeah. behind right. her. Yeah. So that's probably more, but I, you know, I trace it all the way to the, um, the Jewish legend of the golem as mm -hmm. what I argue is kind of a piece of magical technology. Yeah. And then along the way, I actually try to build some of these little devices. So I try to build a, oh, a yeah. ghost box to try to see if I can listen to yeah, sounds yeah. Oh, from, awesome. the, from the ether. Yes. And um, I visit a fellow who builds uh, dream machines. Oh, Brian yeah. Geisen is like the dream machine and mm -hmm. sort of, you know, how also can we use technology to alter consciousness is yeah. kind of the one of the other uh, elements of it. So Excellent. that'll be out next year. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Awesome. We will uh, have to do another one of these. I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Awesome.